0: Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we talk
1: about a popular TV series five episodes at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm completely brain dead right now. So, time to talk in detail about five hours
2: worth of television. I mean, I'm Alex. And I don't think I've said my name on the last few episodes because of all my goofs and jokes, but I'm Britain. <laughs> <So> <laughs> that's... Also, I did come up with uh, Reigns of Podcastomere. So mm-hmm. let's just put a quick uh, trademark on that, and yeah. I'm sure watch, it hasn't been done before. Watch those pennies roll in.
0: <laughs> I guess I guess 2013 would have been like pre-podcast, like podcast would have existed, but it really the, yeah, the it cultures the I don't deal. think would have wouldn't have meshed by then. So, yeah, surely it's uh, we're probably we're probably good on that. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um we are we are now in season four of game of thrones talking about the first five episodes um and uh stuff actually happens in them which is fun mm-hmm. uh, it's not a thing we can say every season uh we are talking about two swords the lion and the rose breaker of chains Oathkeeper, and first of his name um i have been doing the imdb scores for these uh, I'm just going to summarize and say that every episode except episode 2 is between 8.8 and 9.1, because that's what the IMDb scores have been for, like, every yeah. episode that isn't a big episode for the past three seasons. Um, and then The Lion in the Rose is a 9.7, which is tied with Blackwater uh, for second after Reigns of Castamere at a 9.8. I wonder um, why. Up to this point, I should say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, the we we do have the debut of uh DB Weiss as director um mm. he and and Benny off uh each got one episode we talked about Benioff's last uh no a couple weeks ago with uh, episode 3 season 3 and so they each uh stepped out of the writing booth for a moment to you know get to walk around stretch stretch a bit move some cameras around good stuff <laughs> um aside from that and and since he's a writer I'm going to include him in this Ah, uh, the entire season actually. So this this weekend, next week is entirely returning writers and directors, which is pretty neat. Returning from previous seasons, um, and there's kind of a changing of the guard after this point, where things uh, they they reset on the directors and some of the writers. That we do have the line in the rose being written by George R. R. Martin this week. Uh, It is his last episode he wrote for the show before he was like, oh, crap, I should probably focus on the books instead of the adaptation of the books. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Because I think he talked about... And then he he didn't focus on either. (laughs) Then he was like, what if I did another book? Um, (laughs) No, I think he's talked about how that was actually a pretty big time commitment for him, and that was why he stopped doing those after... Yeah, because I think he seasons. said it,
1: it, it took him, like, a whole month to write yeah. a single episode or something like that, right? As opposed to,
0: you know, a whole month for a single chapter, probably. But um,
1: okay. apparently he's running along
0: in, in quarantine. He's he's knocking them out. He's getting stuff done. Oh, I believe I'm, it. I, I don't know. I believe it. <laughs> and the thing is, like, they're long books. So, I mean, I, you know, it is a meme, and it's a fair meme that he takes so long to write things. But, like, it is also – he could literally be very productive all the time and yeah. still take – years and years to finish these but um uh, maybe one day um the mm-hmm. directors of this week uh are well let me finish up the writers because and uh, D wrote episodes one three and five and then brian cogman returns for episode four <clears throat> brian cogman who i feel he he ends up doing i believe an episode every season um something to that effect at least pretty close even to season that. eight yeah, like that. yes he does actually yep. okay um every season so uh he i feel is someone who establishes himself as like he either makes a really great episode or at least a a good episode like i don't yeah. think there are any of his that really we've disliked or had any real problems with um he's he's a standby for the series and The directors are, I mentioned D.B. Weiss, and then episode two and three are directed by Alex Graves, uh, who will direct a couple more episodes this season in our next chunk. And then episodes four and five are the last two episodes directed by Michelle McLaren. So uh, yeah, we have a a, season to cast. They've all been here before. They're all doing work. Yeah. One of you like to go first on uh, best episode, worst episode.
2: I can so actually I'll go, go first this time. Oh, Ooh. oh, okay, no, please, just, Mo- just mostly... stand us me up there, bud.
1: Well, I, I, I want to seize the opportunity when I actually remember what happens sure. in these episodes. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> right, I have such a bad memory when it, when it comes to just just television in yeah. general. Um, I'm gonna.
0: I, I think I know exactly what which episodes you're uh, you're going for here. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hope that yeah. I get this prediction
1: right. Continue. I mean. I mean, I did text you briefly yes. about it. <laughs> that's beforehand. exactly why. I know. <laughs> so, um, episode two is going to be the lion or the lion in the rose. That's my my best episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate to just be the person that's just like, "Hey, the one, the really popular one that has the big moment in it. That's the best one." But it's the best one, um, and I don't. <laughs> well, I I think it's just no, a yeah. masterful yeah. job of just building it up, but yeah. not. I don't know, it, do, it does a good job building suspense, but you don't know where it's going to lead. Right. And I, I feel like it's such an interesting game changer, because with the past few seasons, we've had kind of a build-up to a big event that happens at the end of the season. And yeah. this season is just like two episodes in, nope, we're killing Joffrey, bye! Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, and, and really just the fact that, oh, so the rest of the season is dealing with the implications and the aftermath of this huge shocking thing um i really like that and i think that's a good way to change up the pacing of the seasons um Mm -hmm. yeah in a in a a neat way um i think for the most part the focus is on joffrey and uh marjorie's wedding um it's like a big 20 minute chunk maybe something like that yeah that's how the episode ends yeah because i i I know you know that's that's when bruce kind of re reunites with uh with Ramsay and and he shows mm-hmm. what happened to Theon and and, and that Theon's yeah. kind of just a mindless <laughs> slave at this point basically. Um, that the shaving scene is is very well done. Yes. Um, I think there's there's some other stuff that happens there. Oh yeah, Melisandre starts burning people to death. <laughs> right. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs>
2: and Bran like and Bran wargs into the weirwood tree. Yeah. And gets his vision. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um uh, but yeah, it's just a really really well done episode and yeah, obvious choice but sure. People throw stuff at Sir Dantos and I felt bad for him. So, there you
2: go. <laughs> yeah. Until the next episode.
1: <laughs> Until the next episode, sure. which is going to be my worst episode. Mm-hmm. Um I think for the most part once again we've got like a really really solid great set of episodes. Yeah. Could have just edited down the uh, Jamie Searcy rape scene a bit. (laughs) Maybe so it's not a rape. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, And it's really frustrating because, again, I just mentioned the the one female director you have on the show uh, will do the next two episodes. And it's like, you couldn't have just... Well, maybe, I, I, maybe maybe I don't want to
1: automatically say that just because she's a woman, she would have sure. treated that differently, but you got to wonder at least a little bit. Yeah,
0: and, or at least, uh, I don't know, I, I think it speaks to, because we've talked a bit about how um, the show deals with people of color and how it's usually not great, is, yeah. the, is the answer to that. And a lot of that doesn't necessarily seem to be <clears throat> you know, malicious intent or anything like that no. or, or any, any real you know, like, actual mental problems, I guess, in, in terms of, of bias or racism or anything on the parts of the showrunners or on the parts of the writers and directors. It's just the fact that so many of the writers and directors are uh, white dudes that, you know, yeah. are, are controlling this narrative in a way that I think a lot of fantasy falls prey to. Um, yeah. And I think there's things they do well, and we'll we, we've praised those and we'll continue to praise them in, in terms of yep. being sensitive in some areas and and uh that sort of thing. but uh yeah, I think the that scene in particular is really like someone should have caught that this is uh just over the top and and not necessary and offensive here <laughs> yeah.
2: well and, I... and it's and, and even when when you have a very homogenous group like that. It's not even it is about what content they choose but it's also about how you show that content. I think it was in the last somewhere in season 3 I talked about how the nudity in one episode that I think McLaren directed was a lot more tasteful.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: like there was still nudity but she just knew how to film it in a way that wasn't didn't feel as exploitative and as male gaze-y. And so yeah, I I some, sometimes the problem is with why did you choose for these things to happen, or why did you write this sentence for this person to say? Hmm. And then sometimes it just comes to like a director controls the tone of that so much and controls the way that we receive that information. So then yeah. instead of then there having to be a ton of articles and interviews where the writers and directors are like, no, what we meant to say was this, and how yeah. we meant to say it was such and such. Sometimes when you get someone who has a different perspective, you don't need to have that explanation because they're able to make it so much clearer. With the way yep. that they that they present it. <clears throat> right. Well, it's just so
1: unfortunate because the rest of that scene, because it's like a 10-minute scene and it jumps between a couple of different characters. It's so well done because it starts off with, yep. with Tommen uh, mm-hmm. previously <laughs> playing a different Lannister, <laughs> but, you know, we'll just forget about that. Um, you know, he's, he's talking with Tywin and Tywin's basically grooming him to, to becoming king. Um, tried to lead him to the right answer and being like you must rely on people much smarter than you like, <laughs> like your <me>. grandfather <laughs> now come walk with me <laughs> oh, that's good <laughs> I, I, I liked all that and then, then Jamie comes in and is trying to comfort Tommen a little bit and you know the scene the dialogue between Cersei and, and, and Jamie, I think is very strong yeah and I, I do like that, that moment where he just kind of you know he breaks from her and he's just like you're a hateful woman um cut it right there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or even, I mean, there, there's a point where
0: I was like, oh, that's like, cause he, then he obviously continues to try and force himself on her. Um, and there's a point where I was kind of like, okay, the, you know, that this is, this is a uh, gross and over the top, let's cut it there. And then they keep going. Well, <laughs> like well, I, uh, I thought it was going to be like, all right,
1: well, you said the context is a little bit different in the book, yes. right? Um, so
2: and it's it it consensual may. in the books. <laughs> Say what? It's consensual in the book. Eh. I don't know about that. Or or it's, um, it's, it's, it's more basically
1: con- James Bond forcing himself upon someone until they want it.
0: Yes. Uh that that is more my read from the books. And again, this goes back to um George, you know, I'll I'll yeah. sing George praises about the line in the rose in a second here, but uh he he is also an old white yeah. dude writing fantasy, right. um that is, is not traditional in a lot of ways, but also is is not uh maybe uh, as progressive as it needs to be for um a story like this but basically the idea in that is in the book is more that he uh jamie's trying to push her and she keeps saying no she doesn't want it not here you know she's not comfortable and then eventually she gives in which is still not really how consent works but yeah it
2: is better (laughs) it (laughs) is closer to yeah yeah um uh, Alex, are you done with your best and worst? Yeah, I'm all good. Okay, because that dovetails into mine, because my worst was Breaker of Chains for that exact reason. Mm -hmm. And I I think Martin had said in some interview that, like, you know, these books are, the the stories are inspired by medieval England and medieval warfare, Mm -hmm. and that was a common thing then, so it would be a lie to say that it's not, withhold it from the story, and I think that this is a fantasy story. (laughs) Yeah, it's like I understand. I, I I understand what he's saying, but I don't think that theory really holds water. Where it's like, but this isn't. You're not writing historical fiction. You're using history to inspire your fantasy. Yeah, and it it. I don't think that that really. I don't know. It doesn't function. It's like, I do think. I do think my superheroes won't hurt people because I am living in a fantasy world. It's called superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> it's called people that can fly, uh,
1: <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> and I don't. I, I don't want to say that you like can absolutely never. Eh, maybe I can't say that. I, I going to say I don't want to say that you you can absolutely never use like sexual assault as a, a, a point or a, you know as something that sure, happens sure, sure. in a story you're telling. But it, there's almost always better ways to do it, and especially in this case where it really does not have much of an
1: impact that's it doesn't i think that's the big delineation for me because i I, i'm gonna bring up a show that's a a bit controversial (laughs) among our group it's called the boys (laughs) specifically among (laughs) me specifically among tyler yeah um britain to a degree (laughs) there there is a case there is a case of sexual assault that happens early on in the boys and that turned both of you off from that tyler when you started watching it and i think britain you just haven't watched it flat out um yeah i heard about it and i was like no thanks right and fair enough but yeah. in that show's defense versus a case like this, most of the show, like, the characters involved in that, the rest of the season is about the consequences of that happening and how that That's affects true. them psychologically and, you know, publicly as well. Like, it's a huge part of the show. Whereas with yeah. this, it's just like, I don't get it. Number one, I don't buy that Jamie would do that to Cersei at that point. Number two, how does this pay off? Like, what does it matter? Like, yeah.
0: And I think that's the important thing. Uh, Because, like, there is another example of the show um, being pretty tone-deaf using sexual assault uh, that will come up later. And I think in that case, I would actually argue that it's handled better because the consequences are more, like, defined. And it's clear that, like, this is not an okay thing. Because I don't even necessarily disagree that, or, like, not believe that Jamie would do something like that because, um, I don't know, like, he's kind of a, a scummy guy in a lot of ways even though he does shine through in other parts um, and I feel like I mean again you can you can go back to the medieval argument for that as to why that would be more like a, a normal thing or a thing that he would expect is okay but there's no point where anybody like stops to say oh wow that really wasn't okay Cersei's you know really traumatized by this like we need to address this we need to talk about yeah. the fact that like that. and there's really no way that you can have a conversation that ropes that back in such a way that it's uh, you know, going to be sensitive or going to be well handled because right. of how over the top the scene is. So like, there's just a lot there yeah. that you can't like, it's,
1: it, I don't know. It's, it's so alienating and I, I, not think, we're, I think we're also forgetting that, that it happens right next to Joffrey's corpse. <laughs> I think that's yeah. the elephant in the room as yeah. well. Yeah. And, and so, and
2: Alex, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't in the boys, the graphic novel isn't it a more extreme uh case of sexual
1: assault yes i, I as, yeah. as far as I'm aware I think the the comic book is is generally just just more extreme to yeah. a very uncomfortable and, degree like've I've heard oh, yeah. tons of people say that the show mm-hmm. is much better than the book because of yeah. that and
2: so like so. yeah and, and, and my own comfort is still obviously disrupted by that but point to the show for saying hmm can we do this in a way that is not as extreme, yeah, right. which is which is nice, and and I think that was really. I mean, I have a lot of issues with it, and I, I such and such, but I, I did. It, it was such a weird choice for the show to make because I think that the show for a while had been trying to dimensionalize Jamie and go. You know, what, he does have some good qualities. Yeah. He tried within um, the next episode, like his and Brienne's relationship is really sweet. His and Tyrion's relationship is really sweet. They're trying to be like, hey, maybe part of this story is going to be this arc of the, this incestuous relationship. And then Cersei's really villainous, but Jaime is kind of heroic and you wouldn't have expected that. And then maybe this was like them trying to go, ah, but we still want the audience to have conflicted feelings about Jaime, which I'm like, oh sure. I get that. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to go all that, that far. Like that pendulum swung so far. I
0: mean, this is, this is still extreme, but like, if you're going to do something like that, just have him like hit her or something like have him, Right, you know, there, there is he some... And that's dark, and that, and that makes us be it's like, horrible. oh, snap, yeah. he's still kind of a bad guy. Awesome. Well, um,
2: or or have I... him, like, snakeily try to, like, take down Tyrion. I don't know. There's yeah. something you... Or have him cheat on her. I don't know. There's something you sure. can do. But they just went so far with it. Now, that said, there's other stuff in that episode that I do like. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of great stuff with Sam and Gilly. Um, mm-hmm. Love Tywin's monologue to Tommen about the previous kings. And I really love when they're walking away... And he's like, you know how uh, she becomes yours, right? And he's like, yeah, we'll get married. And he's like, but you know how you get an heir. (laughs) Um, let me tell you about it. And I was like, whoa, I do want to watch the scene where Charles Dance explains sex. (laughs) (laughs) Now, a boy must be like Honeybee. Oh, no, no, no. A girl must be like a flower. Belonging to just one man, a boy must be like Honeybee and visit all he can. (laughs) Which is from *The King and I*. <laughs> <But> <laughs> and flower works because of the Tyrells. Um, <laughs> flower must not ever fly from bee to bee. But uh, I find it. Yeah, I find so. it
1: interesting <laughs> that they never play into Cersei's affair with Lancel Lannister. At least, well. Tyrion's for, the the only per- one who really... for the purposes of Jamie returning sure. and then him getting angry, I'm surprised that they didn't try and throw that in to yeah help no. escalate things. I don't know that pro- that wouldn't yeah. have made it better. The, but <laughs> I'm, well, I think maybe if you do something like that, then you can have
0: it. Oh, he 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 beats up Lancel and and like he you know he's vicious towards him and
2: like sure right
0: because I mean it's not like he's not like I mean I think that one of the hardest things to swallow while watching the show is. Uh, Jamie killing his cousin in the prison, or not? Maybe right. cousin, so, somebody, whoever it is. Yeah, something like that.
2: Is... A relative, yeah. And so,
0: when it, whoever it is that like the the guy that admires him um, when he's in prison uh, at the start camp, and he he murders that guy, and that was like a really hard scene to watch because like the guy seems like a really nice dude, and Jamie is is just like completely casually throwing away his life, and it's like all right, this is still a pretty bad guy in a lot of ways. Yeah. But it, yeah, you you can show that in
2: so many other ways. Yeah, it's, it's it, so it kind of reminds I've been watching glow, which is a, mm-hmm. a great TV show. And one of the main characters, Debbie, played by Betty Gilpin, is a character who I'm constantly like, I like Betty, but I'm constantly like, Betty, I don't like that decision, but I like that decision, but I don't like yeah. that. And she's so dimensionalized and the writing is so strong and the acting is so brilliant that that does a really good job of creating a fully formed dimensional character. Yeah and jamie it feels like sometimes they go we're gonna have him do a good thing and then a bad thing and it doesn't always feel as sometimes he does feel dimensional but sometimes it just feels like he does bad things and good stuff ah and it's mm-hmm. not it, it doesn't feel as as uh as cohesive I suppose. um yeah. the other thing my, my best so this episode ends with gren and ed very happy to see them Coming back mm-hmm. from Craster's Keep and coming to Night's Watch, which leads to my best episode, which was a toss-up between four and five, but I'm going to go with five. For a lot of reasons, but mainly because of the Craster's Keep finale, I yeah was I loved that. I thought that was so good. Um, I I it was really not th- this quintet of episodes does a great job of. We we finally get a lot of like just satisfying retribution of just like. Oh, okay. Joffrey's dead. Well, that's good. Like that just feels good. (laughs) And Arya like you're trying to make me feel bad about this. It looks he looks real messed up, but he does. I mean,
0: mm, yeah, we're fine. Yeah, (laughs)
2: it's actually come on. And then Arya gets her first revenge on Polliver, which is great. But then in Craster's Keep, it's this satisfying moment where like a bunch of good guys show up. All our all the people we like in that scene live, and all the people we don't like die. Locke gets his head yeah. snapped by <laughs> Hodor as Brand possesses him. Uh, Rast Hodor's gets reaction, killed by, Grey Wolf. by the way, when he's just like, it oh, my it just happened. Yeah, that's heartbreaking. But then, like, Ghost kills Rast, which is awesome. And then mm-hmm. uh, uh, I, I did, I was hoping that Carl would be killed by, that we'd be finished off by the Crasters' wives, not just weakened. But it's still a pretty great moment. Yeah. um also john never thanked that lady for saving his life <laughs> during that whole i was like john john say thank you john where are your members <laughs> exactly where are your mambers? what do we say <clears throat> what do we say john but uh uh yeah i just i i thought i thought that whole episode was really strong but similarly to how episode three that that scene just gave me a bad taste in my mouth season five it just left on such a high i was like that was great just all the bad people died. (laughs) Like it's nice that this show will occasionally just give Uh, us like, here's, here's a cookie. Just, here's a, here's a thing you can just like and just feel good about it. And it's still, it is
0: still tinged with, Oh, brand came so close to reuniting with John. And he does. Yeah. It's like,
2: absolutely. (sighs) Again, man, (laughs) that's the second time this has happened. (laughs) I know. I was really (laughs) hoping, but then I did like, I get it. I get it. Joe, Jen, (laughs) I had, I had completely forgotten about the little, uh, duel that
0: uh john has with carl tanner where, where carl tanner's yeah. got his knives out like that's a really fun uh and and it's nice that carl tanner is doing the like traditional oh you you fight so fair and i'm i'm uh, yeah you know yeah. fighting dirty and everything and then um it's kind of a, a an interesting way take on that in the fact that he ends up getting stabbed in the back by someone who if he had treated better probably wouldn't have done that <laughs> and so it's like right right yeah you're and fighting you dirty and it's working if... for you here and then, yeah. it's not, and then it's not. he,
2: gonna, you know, and then he gets a big case of sword in the mouth, <laughs> Correct. and it's uh, gory that was and so lovely. Good.
0: Um, the the lifeless, like I don't know if if it's him with makeup on, or I don't know if it was like a a, a double or what. But like when he falls to the ground and he's yeah. he's got like his eyes wide and there's just blood pouring out and he's very pale. Mm-hmm. It's it's gross and I love it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's just because mostly most of the deaths on this show are either characters that were just like oh okay el died, or it's characters that we like, and mm-hmm. so it was nice to have this moment of, don't worry, the heroes are going to win, we're going to give you this. Mm-hmm. You guys just watch some some jerks get it, and that's just that just made me feel good. And there's a lot of other good stuff in there, a lot of great stuff in the Vale, um, Brienne and Pod, which is so good. Mm-hmm. I like I like I, Pod is just really terrific. And Jojen sees his hand on fire, he gets that vision. Which is which is pretty cool. Uh <laughs> Hashtag be nice to Sansa. Tyler, what are yours?
0: Um I was really tempted to go with episode five, because uh, yeah. for pretty much all the reasons you mentioned, I think the entire Crasters keep thing. And that's a that's a plot line that's been rolling since season two, I think. At the beginning two, of season yeah. two is yep. where we introduce Crasters and they go all the way past him and they come back. And then we have to go back out there, and so it's like, that is finally, a, this whole loop to the the Mormont and the Craster and Carl Tanner, like, all that stuff is finally um, yeah. dealt with and, and chopped off, and so that's a, that's a neat thing. Um, the episode I did go with is *Line of the Rose, though. I think that it is a, a better showcase for George than Blackwater was, because obviously he also wrote Blackwater, sure. and you know, gets a lot of praise for that deservedly, but I think the biggest, uh, I guess, hero of Blackwater uh, is the special effects and the the way the battle is shot and everything, and that's what really makes that stand out. There's obviously some good stuff with Cersei in that, and there's some good dialogue and everything, but um, I think that's what really makes Blackwater stick is that it's, like, the first big battle, or this is... it's all dialogue. Like, we don't really have any action that I can think of. I'm I'm sure I'm missing some stuff, um, but just off the top of my head, it, it's it's just all that king's landing sort of build up in a way that you really are not expecting it in a lot of the same way that you do with the red wedding where it's like oh you're you know they're just hanging out they're having a wedding that everyone's plotting and scheming and uh talking to each other and and trying to uh get under each other's skin and, and doing what they do in king's landing and then oh oh crap this got very real very quickly um and it's neat and there's all sorts of great details in there i mean the entire uh scene where joffrey is tormenting tyrion is God. Uh, impossible to watch <laughs> and, yeah um yeah it's uh it's it's rough and uh it's the the show really twists the the knife of look at how horrible joffrey is right before it uh cuts him yeah. off and so uh i think that's it that was a, a good choice in making us leave with that one lasting thing of just hatred, and then the fact that his final act is immediately turning this back onto Tyrion, and now it's like, oh crap! Now Tyrion's in trouble because of this. Um, yeah, so it's it's neat. It's 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 yep. well done. There's uh, just a lot of good stuff in that episode. Uh, Alex, as you mentioned, Melisandre is burning people alive now we've, we've moved on from effigies. We're now we've, the <laughs> practice, the practice runs are over. We, now we've got to We, we burn tried the leeches
1: people. on a man and, and the man <laughs> got away. We're just going <laughs> to set him on fire.
0: Now, <laughs> not going to let that happen this time. I really, really love, uh, this, this expands into the upper, of the other episodes too, and culminates in five. I really love that Locke shows up again and is now bouncing around. Like that's yeah. one of the strongest parts of the show. Having such a big cast is that they really don't forget about anybody. Um, yeah maybe I'm forgetting that there's probably a couple of characters that like kind of disappear. Um, but by and large, any side character gets some sort of resolution or some sort of conclusion. And that's something that'll be true through like to the end, I think. Um, and so it's really fun to see these characters that are like, Oh, Oh, you're here now. Okay. You're, you're yeah. interacting I love Locke. Th- this goes outside of the episode, but I love Locke interacting with John and like trying to get in John's good graces and, you know he's mm-hmm. he's pulling a fast one on him. He's trying to steal uh, the heir to Winterfell, and then he just gets <laughs> completely murdered by Hodor, uh, and it's great. And it's like, oh, Jon didn't even have to do anything. Jon's just like, who killed this guy? What what happened? There? Well, uh, I guess I guess we got to burn my uh, my good brother of the Night's Watch. Darn, that's upsetting. <laughs> like just completely clueless the entire time is great. Um, one thing I did notice about this episode uh, is uh, line in the rose. I mean, is that Brienne never talks to Loras, which bothered me a little bit because they never had that resolution. Oh, she yeah. does have a good talk with Marjorie, where they yeah clear the air and she's like, "It was Stannis. I promise. You know, I, I want to avenge Rinley. Um, kind of convinces Marjorie. And and Loras didn't believe that she had done it way back when in season two um, when Rinley died. There there was a scene where they talked afterwards, and Loras said he didn't believe she was the one. Um, so it's not like a huge deal, but, uh, it would have been nice yeah. because we do have both of them in the area. Um, and also Loris gets a great, a great little zinger on, uh, Jamie where Jamie yeah. is like, uh, you're, you know, you're never going to marry Cersei. She's
2: never going to let you. And Loris is like, neither are you. And then walks away. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. Um, I do like how con- whenever there's a crowd scene, Loris is always hitting on a male extra. There are so <laughs> many like. Gatherings and weddings and wedding rehearsals where Loris is like leaning against a wall talking to a guy. Yeah, it's great.
0: Um, speaking of Locke, we we do get like you mentioned Locke interacting with the Boltons and they're all kind of back in uh, the the Bolt House back in <laughs> the Dreadfort. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I really love that Ramsey and Locke are bros because it makes so much sense. I like I love that. I, I wrote like, that. Hey, I had that note.
2: Y- have you skinned any Locke and yeah. Of course, getting anybody house. good like, these days? <laughs> how's, how's the killing doing?
0: <laughs> um, that's good stuff. Yes. Uh, I, I also really appreciate that we get Olenna, um telling Sansa in this episode in Line of the Rose that uh, she's like, oh, what kind of horrible monster would... Uh, murder a man on a, in his wedding. Just just terrible. Who would do that? Yeah. Um, which I think is a really <laughs> emblematic thing of the show is that you can never trust anything anybody says. And I think that as we go sure. along, there are things where people will say that a certain character wouldn't have done a certain thing when the show really wants you to pay attention to their actions and not, their, <laughs> not right. what they say because a lot of times they are lying out of their mouths. Um, uh, the entire interaction with Cersei Tywin... Oberin and uh elia no sorry elaria not elia elaria um, excuse me yeah the the when the four of them meet together at the wedding and they're all kind of like who how, how are you okay and then they just start to yeah. turn into just ripping each other's throats out verbally <laughs> oh it's 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 painful like they're so yeah. awkward and uh yeah.
2: yeah um i love how the show is just so so heavily like do you see Oberyn? He's awesome. Do you see how he always says the right thing and you agree with him every step of the way and he's amazing and he puts his hand over a candle flame just to show somebody how cool he is? He's awesome. Can't wait for him to be your favorite character for six seasons. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. And he and he is awesome and he's 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 great. Like I like okay. Pedro Pascal a lot. Yeah.
0: Um Another small detail from this was uh, there's the horrible reenactment of the War of the Five Kings. And during the middle of this, one of the the actors uh, hits Varys on the head as he's running by. And Varys just has this expression of, I just, (laughs) I just want this to end.
2: Don't. Why? I I wrote that you can tell who's good and who's bad by how they react to that. To that whole reenactment. Like during that whole section, you'll see like Cersei and Tywin and obviously Joffrey are like chuckling and laughing, but like Oberyn is really uncomfortable. Obviously Tyrion is, is upset. Marjorie. Marjorie is like Mar- I mean, Loras is just and a flat out cool leaves. about yes, it. Yes,
0: Loras is just like I'm done because obviously yeah. they have a
2: Renly, and the Renly is riding a Loras instead of a horse. Yeah, replica. And like Varys is grimacing. Like all of the people who we're supposed to like are displeased with it. But I like the moment where Tyrion talks to. I think it's. Pod? I don't know, it's somebody, but he's maybe like Maybe Braun or somebody yeah. Maybe Braun, yeah, and he's like, give them all twenty gold pieces after this mm. is done and and then there was he said something about like we're gonna get Joffrey back, whatever it was, but that's basically what he meant. <laughs> it was it was great. Yeah. Um I also Cause oh, it did qualify because entire... all of the reenactments the reenactments are done by a bunch of dwarves or people yeah. with dwarfism dressed as the king, yeah. so that's that's why Tyrion was upset. Yes.
0: Um, also talking about Joffrey torturing, uh, Tyrion shortly before he dies. Uh, I really love that there's a point where Joffrey's like, I forget exactly what the context is or what, what the, the quotes are, but basically Joffrey is, uh, trying to get a rise out of him and Tyrion's like, oh, gracious King. I, you know, it, it's, it's just a, a joke. I cannot reach the, the cup or whatever. Like he, he just completely just is like, I'm going along with this things are fine. I, you know, I, I'm going to do what I need to do to to survive. I'm not going to, I'm not going to like rise to his challenge. And Joffrey is, is so stunned by the fact that Tyrion just respond with, responded with like grace and kind of like got a few chuckles Mm -hmm. at the crowd and didn't, didn't do anything to uh, react to his provocation that Joffrey just goes over and pours wine on his head. (laughs) He's just like, why you say big words? (laughs) (laughs) Like he can't think of anything else to do. It's uh. It's, it's
2: amazing. And then Tyrion says something like, no, I need to leave and get out of these wet clothes. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's great. It's so good.
0: Um, so, yeah. Uh, I am going to go with episode three. It's my worst for Correct. the same reason. It's the only one that I have a really big flaw with. Um, I think that overall the episodes are pretty consistent. Uh, mm-hmm. and it, aside from, like, those big events in terms of the Craster Keep thing and the, um, the purple wedding? Is that what they call it? Purple wedding.
2: Uh, two 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 notes that I have on episode two, specifically within all of that stuff, I wrote when Tyrion brings the, the his gift to Joffrey. I wrote a history book. Who invited that kid? <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, so, so uh, one of the big subplots here is that uh, Tywin and Cersei know about Shay because Shay and Tyrion yeah. are talking, and like one of Cersei's handmaids saw shay leave his chambers and so she went to tell cersei about it and so Tyrion is like shay you gotta get out of here and they have this whole argument why doesn't Tyrion just tell shay no you have to go because my sister and father know about you and they'll have you killed he just keeps being like it's not safe i have to uphold my vows like i I would think that at that point it would benefit him to just go shay i want you to stay i wish you could stay you'll die if you stay get on the boat and go where you're not going to die. I
1: think the idea is that
2: that's basically what he's
1: been trying to tell her for the past like season and a half.
2: Yeah. So he's basically,
1: he basically he's trying to feed into, I guess what I was a bit confused about in the last season, kind of her insecurities and being like, okay, that's the only way I'm going to be able to get her to leave. If, if Mm. I, 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 if I use that jealousy that she keeps throwing at me, um, to say no, I need to be with my wife and stay with her, and I can't be with you because you your profession, sure. and kind of using that against her. I
2: I I see it as a desperation yeah. play. Does he like a Harry and the Hendersons kind of deal? Sure. We don't even want you here anymore. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> does does he know that they
0: know? Where what did I miss
2: that? Yeah, because uh, I okay. think previously in that episode, Varys told him he was like Varys like our mutual friend. They know they're gonna die. Okay. Because oh, I think okay. Tyrion, because yeah. Tyrion has said something about like why wouldn't you know I could get you to help me and Varys is like no you no, no you won't right <laughs> I'm gonna die if I help you I'm not
1: gonna do that <laughs> I, I think also they set it up so that when uh, they're having that little get together um and Cersei is saying oh that's that's uh that's Tyrion's whore over there I think it then cuts to Tyrion right. who's looking at them like oh he knows exactly what they're talking yeah. about yeah.
2: And then and Tywin says, "Bring her to the hand, to the Tower of the Hand." Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a bunch of stuff. Well, we mentioned it all with Ruth and uh, and uh, the most dangerous game opening, where Ramsay and his girlfriend Miranda are hunting poor Tansy mm-hmm. through the through the woods. But we see his dogs. <laughs> we have dogs.
0: Any particular episodes or plot points we want
1: to drill in on? Um, yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. Alex, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, no you. <laughs> 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 ladies, okay, ladies. I'll take it. Um, I forgot that uh, Littlefinger is the start of all this. And that Lysa too. Uh, yeah. poisoned her husband. And that's r- what r- caused r- all of this to happen. It's all Littlefinger's fault. Yeah, I had fault. that. S-
2: yep. Yeah.
1: I thought all of it just stemmed back to the dagger plot point that never really got resolved in the first season because everyone who was interested in it died. (laughs) But, like, I thought that was the extent of him being, like, the catalyst of everything. No, he is literally the catalyst of everything. Yes.
2: Yeah, because he had – he knew that Lysa was obsessed with him, and so he was like – Oh, you know, if you give your husband a poison, I'll give you a kiss on the cheek. <laughs> oh, and so then, yeah, and he has, her, and then he has her send a letter to Catelyn being like, the Lannisters killed my husband. Yeah. So she, it's all, he's been sowing these seeds of dissent between the two families. Even the Lannisters were like, we didn't kill Jon Arryn. We don't know what happened. We don't care. It's just, and obviously then there are other things not related to Littlefinger within all of this, but that, and 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 then the kind of turnaround is that because of this, of the war he started, Catelyn dies, the thing that he wanted is, mm-hmm. but, and, and he doesn't seem to care about that right now. <laughs> um, maybe we'll see more of that later, but I, I am currently, let's all just assume that I now have not seen anything that's coming. Okay. Okay. yeah let's just all assume that we are now in spoiler territory for britain um i know some broad strokes let's just assume if i don't talk about it i don't know what happened sure um like i I, know that the ninja turtles show up in episode like whatever in season six but aside from that (laughs) Um, so that's where it all went wrong (laughs) house house splinter um, Your sigil is a large pie with cheese and meat atop it? What sort of confection is this? Dude, it's called pizza. Pepperoni is coming, dude. (laughs) Splinter is coming. Splinter is coming. Splinter is coming. That's the joke. Splinter is coming. Okay, fair enough. I was good.
0: You didn't have to correct it, but I'm glad you did. Um, uh, we We mentioned Oberyn. Um, his introduction is perfect. Like, yeah. uh, basically, it introduces him. Tyr- Tyrion finds him in a brothel, and it's like he he likes sex. He doesn't like uh, raping a woman and murdering her children. Got it? That's yeah. <laughs> right. That's where we're at. He doesn't like Tywin. <laughs> He's we're, you know, we pretty much yeah. got it covered. Um, which is a lot of fun. He's uh, obviously um fantastic, uh, and it's you know he's just a he's just a good character, and it's hard not to like him I do think they uh, get a little yeah. bit uh it, actually in episode three, so this goes along with the fact that we all chose it as our worst thing. um One thing I did feel like is that they went a little far with the uh the sex stuff with him in episode sure. three. I feel like they were kind of really pushing like oh he'll, he'll sleep with anyone you watch him yep. don't don't you better believe us he he's He, he, he likes he all of them he likes the men and yep. the women um. Yeah. And it's, it, it gets a little bit back into that territory of like early episode or early season two, where they were like, we have to put in the sex everywhere. We just, <laughs> yeah. people want the sex. Um, and uh, I mean, yeah. it's still fun yeah. character stuff, but it's, it, it was a little excessive to me.
2: And I like how the show, and of, of course, Martin remembers that, like, they they talked about the sack of King's Landing and the Targaryen children were killed and all this other stuff. But they went back to, yeah, Rhaegar who was like the best Targaryen ever. He had a wife and those children that were killed and burned and brought to Robert that Ned so was so unhappy about. They had an uncle mm-hmm. and this is that uncle that like it it all right. does call back to that in a way that doesn't make the world feel small, it reminds of it actually makes the world feel like connected and yeah. that it's all cuz it's all woven together.
0: Yeah, you you remember that. Oh right. you know, these characters that come from big houses, if we haven't seen the big house, that's a house that's just like the Starks or just like the Lannisters. Like the Dornish are there. There there are whole people chilling out there that we haven't even talked to that are another huge player in this game. And, uh, you know, obviously murdering one of them and their heirs is going to uh, cause some problems. Like people are going to be upset about that and uh,
1: seek revenge. It really helps to reinforce just how important consequences are in this show. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't I don't know. I, I feel like the show is is at its strongest when it's kind of relying upon that and like you know these these horrible violent things are happening. Let's not forget that they happened and and use that to push the story forward. um yeah, I like I really appreciate the uh, about the show yeah.
2: so we also get the return of because now we're actually back at the wall, and so that means we see Alistair Thorne is back and mm-hmm. Pip... Our old buddy, Pip, mm-hmm. and Jenna They remembered that Jenna Slint was sent sent to the wall by Tyrion. Yep. yep. And so he's there. And, of course, he's Alistair Thorne's, like, little buddy. I'm going to be honest. Um, this is the first
1: time watching the show where I remembered that character was in earlier <laughs> seasons in a completely different place and was actually sent there. Yes. Yeah. And this is like... <laughs> second second go through of the entire show but the first like four seasons i've gone through several times yeah. so it's just i right. find it amusing that that's just one little detail it's like oh hey that's all right they thought <laughs> about Again, it it's, it's like the
0: um the the lock thing and i think it's you know it it, it kind of goes back to um roz as well uh yeah. where i think the first time you're watching it you might not even realize that that's supposed to be a recurring character right. that who's you know followed through all these different characters subplots um you're just kind of like a oh, background character whatever like I, th- it's nice you're, when you're they don't cast so
1: them people. with an actor <laughs> with a, an actor who already played a role in the show i
0: i do think they do a good job of kind of differentiating uh and specifically by haircut oh, yeah. <laughs> um yeah. so that you don't quite like pick up like have i seen this guy before yeah it's enough yeah. that you don't – and you've already forgotten who the original Tom and actor looked like, so it's enough that you can kind of yeah. Oh, yeah. slide oh, that it's, right it's into your fine. mind. It's that's, fine. Um, that's
1: nitpicking at its finest, and I think there are – No, I, th- I just think There yeah. are more egregious
2: recastings in this show. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Uh, one of which I'll mention in a second, but real quick, The Wall now houses – The Wall is now, like, a dangerous place because it has Alistair Thorne and Janice Slint and history's greatest villain, Ollie. Mm-hmm. So, no one is safe from from Ollie's <laughs> terrible wrath. Um, do you know anything uh, about
0: Ollie? Do you do you remember any?
2: I think I know the the big thing that's prompting my calling okay. him history's greatest villain. That, <laughs> I will say that that first scene
1: where they set up the wildlings attacking him and his family is is yeah, that's super well good. done. And I completely forgot yeah. that Egret uh, kills his dad. Like Egret is the one who shoots yeah. Uh, yeah the arrow
0: to kill his dad. Yes. Yeah. Something.
2: Well, that that was a nice moment of reminding you that, like, hey, even though we've all come to love the Wildlings, they are actually like trying to kill people, and what that means <laughs> is they're trying to yeah. kill innocent people. That it's not because when they talk about like, oh, the Night's Watch, we want to take down the Wall. You're like, oh, there's some bad people on the Wall, and they're like, you don't get it, and it's dangerous out here, and the White Walkers, and you're not doing anything about it, John Snow. And then you're like, oh, no, I totally get it. And you have great furs. But now you have to realize, like, oh, right, to get what they want, they will kill innocent villagers. Right. And I think that that scene does a really good job of being like, maybe I don't just unequivocally like (laughs) Tormund and Egret. I do want um, Steer to just, someone just get that guy out of here. I was gonna say I I like the, the, head of the, the of
1: extremes that that we're dealing with here. Where like yes, we got like Egret and Tormund, and they're willing to kill, you know, just just normal civilians yeah. to get what they want. But then you get cannibals, and they're just yeah. like, we're gonna kill everyone
2: <laughs> and eat everyone. It's gonna be a cannibal party, everyone. And, and they <laughs> even they don't even like Tormund and Egret don't like the Thins when they show up. Uh, Tormund is like, I hate finns. Right? No, no. Uh, T- Torment
1: and Egret see it as a means to an end, whereas yeah, exactly. finns they're just like, no, we we like we like the means and the ends. We're just all about <laughs> it,
2: <laughs> for sure. Uh, now we mentioned egregious recastings. This time we get big haircut Dario. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. here he is. A foot taller, a foot broader, and with a new style.
0: And I don't... I I wrote down that I I don't hate new Dario. Um, no, but no, he, he's fine. He, he sure is jarring. It is it is real, like, oh. Yeah.
1: We, I think it
0: well, almost feels like they he's thought... He's even got, you, like,
1: a, a different... A new costume, right? Like, he's not even wearing yeah. the same, like, armor.
0: Yeah, They were basically like, we did not like anything we did with the last character. We're going to change it.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he looks completely, yeah, because where Tommen, they're like, no one really knows what Tommen looks like, or maybe even who Tommen is, mm-hmm. so we can just kind of, uh, you know, mess with it. and We've had Tommen uh, in a total of, like, four scenes from the past yeah.
1: three seasons, so it's fine. Yeah,
2: and like, and like Barrack, it's like, well, he was in a shot from mm-hmm. season one, right. so like, you know, we can get around it. Uh, the, mountain is, this is like, the mountain is always wearing armor, so it's just a big yeah, guy. Right. <laughs> but then with this, it's like, no, here's here's a different human, <laughs> and he's fine. I mean, I yeah, he's he's fine. I like him. Um, I've I'm maybe it's because I do know how the show ends, and I do know the people have the problems people have about Daenerys. But like, so maybe I'm I'm seeing what I want to see. Mm-hmm. But this show is she makes so many violent decisions like Yes.
1: Yeah, I I I, I am having the same vibe as well where it's it's kind of knowing where it's ultimately supposed to end up. It feels yeah. It, it feels a lot more natural than people would
2: have you believe. Yes. And and I wonder if it's just me being like contrarian to those arguments or me knowing to look for it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um yeah but like it it's it it feels a lot more and, I, and again, because I think the first time you watch it, I think that's the point is that all of her violent acts are taken out against people who are unquestionably unjust that we want those people to lose, so of course, and we're all very like, yeah, go get them like you're strong, you're claiming your autonomy and all this but in C- in episode four, yeah, uh with marine. Which, by the way, the slaves in marine are not all people of color. That was great. Just a, just a lot of different ethnicities in there. That was really good. I, I was happy about that. Um, and that had a great opening where Grey Worm and Missandei were trading backstory. I liked mm-hmm. that uh, scene a lot. But then, you know, they get the scene and Barristan is like, hey, we did it. Like, great job. <laughs> you know, but sometimes you can answer justice with mercy. Or you can answer injustice with mercy and, like because she wants to kill 163 of them for the children they had killed and she's like no i shall answer just injustice with justice <laughs> it was a dawn of and- justice if you will it was but then they show her like looking out over the city with her mm. banner over the uh, the harpy and there's sounds of screams you hear horrible <laughs> agonized screams of people who I want to die but it's that That is a clear moment of someone going, hey, maybe we should be, like, chill about this. She's like, nope, going to be mean. They, you flip a coin when a Targaryen died, and I'm all burnt upside, ba- baby. <laughs> Barristan really
0: is a, uh, a better advisor than Jorah in
2: many yeah, ways. Yeah.
0: Because there's that conversation, which is great, because Barristan is telling her, Hey, so, you know, these, 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 maesters, or these maesters, these masters, they're your uh, subjects now, you know, you might want to have some mercy on them because, you know, you, you want the people of the city to be happy because you rule them now. Maybe you should consider yeah. both the uh, ethical and, like, legitimately, the practical elements, yeah, I practical guess. dilemmas of uh, this particular situation. She's like, kill them. <laughs> <laughs> uh which like and again i think the
2: first time you're going through the show you're like no don't let a man tell you what to do you mm-hmm. know how to make a decision you are a strong leader and that's great and it it just becomes this weird and i think that's kind of the problem that we'll run, we can talk about more later where it's too easy to read into it as a an old white man going women sure can be crazy when they're not listening to people sure well but the, then but the at next... the same time the show also has a lot of female characters where the opposite is true, where they're like the men. The men are dumb, yeah. like oh, that's Olenna's whole thing is she's like all of the men in our house are stupid. Like Marjorie yeah. and I are in charge, and that's true.
0: But then also in the next episode, they're talking about uh, how Daenerys now has a bunch of ships. She's got a bunch of bunch of men to sail on them. She's got a bu- a big army. She's got some dragons who are who are growing splendidly and they're looking good. Um, and Barristan is like, hey, maybe you should, uh, you know, go ahead and take out uh, take out the Seven Kingdoms and um, or, or at least take King's Landing because they would never see you coming. Like, you know, they're tired. They wouldn't expect it, which is probably true. Like, you know, if she invades yeah. Westeros right now, they, you know, King's Landing probably falls at least. And then maybe she can uh, kind of rally the troops from there because then everyone's like, ah, the Targaryen, who we love, especially when you consider, and this is getting very deep into the politics here that th- these characters aren't even really aware of, but if you consider the fact that, you know, the Riverlands are ripped apart and everyone yeah. is miserable because the Lannisters have been pillaging and going crazy and the war has been on and, like, all this, the um, Northerners have returned to the North because they're tired and, and their war collapsed and nobody likes the phrase rolling over them and the Iron Islands are... Under- like, there's so many elements there that if she had just gone in and been like, all right, let's do this, she probably could have... Taken over, maybe made the the Lannisters capitulate and be like, "Oh, we're going to ally with you," um, and then things could have turned into like a, 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 an upswell from there that lets her actually take over everything. The Oberyn probably would have, if Oberyn had been there, he'd he probably would have been like, "Yeah, <laughs> sign me up, let's do this." <laughs> um, and so the like all of that is good advising from Barriston, where he's like, "The people will rise up," and there are other cases in the show where the characters try to convince her of that and she mm. sometimes seems to be like yeah you know maybe you're right and sometimes is like no no no, that you know no one's heard of me like they're not going to do that um but this is a case where like she's got a big enough army she's got the dragons. she's got everything that she would need to make a show of power to actually make people yeah. you know follow her um and then jorah is like well uh, all the slaver slaver cities have returned to slavery, and uh i don 't know i don 't maybe you can 't take the seven kingdoms. I feel like it'd be a bad idea um yeah, and she sides with him like she doesn't really i mean she does have her own motivations for siding with him, but it 's like it 's yeah. not like she 's ignoring everyone around her it 's like she is still listening uh. to someone <laughs> it 's just probably the someone yeah. who uh, is not the best option, especially since he sold men into slavery to begin with, and right um, also is like deeply in love with her. So. I was going <laughs> to say, I said though, he, I... he's
1: just worried they're going to somehow get separated when they, when they get over yeah. to Westeros, and then he's not going to be able to, uh, <laughs> you know,
2: take her out for a nice ice cream sometime. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well,
2: but I, I did understand th- this. This was like that hot and cold thing <clears throat> for me, where. I did understand her logic about not attacking Westeros, where she was like, "How can I rule seven kingdoms when I can't even keep these three cities?" Yeah, and like I, and also that she's like, "I set out to save these places, not sure. just to get my own resources, but I set out to free these people, and that's not working. So I need, I need to get this sorted out first before I try to sure. go out there." And and that is one of those like. Okay, you kind of—it's a lose-lose, win-win. However, you want to look at it. Yeah. Where yes, this might be a great time to go take Westeros, but then also she would be like, "How? I don't know that I'm ready for that. Let me practice here." Yep. Kind of. So that—that—that's a—that's a, one where I more understand her, her decision making, and and I I think there is more logic than just, "Nope, I'm angry, so I'm, people will die."
0: <laughs> there is, I think, an element of being very like oh, these people love me. I want them to continue to love me. Like, I want I want more sure. people to love me. I, I am in, appreciating that validity and that feedback, um, specifically in the way that she kind of approaches, uh, you know, for example, throwing the the chains up through the barrels, which totally could have decapitated yeah, yeah. one of the slaves. It's fine. Like, one of them has to duck out of the way no, to avoid absolutely. getting hit by these things she's sending out of the catapults. Um, yeah. But, like, it's very... In a lot of ways, I mean, and, and we see this with the Dracarys thing earlier with Krasniz. Uh, she crucifies the masters. Like, there's a lot of very... Yeah. I have to show, you know, how strong my or my convictions are. Like, I have to be very performative right. in the way this is done. Um, that I feel like feeds into that a little bit. I mean, it is... Like, she does clearly want the slaves to be free, which is good. Right. But it's also, like, she's, she's determined to break the system that... With with very top down I guess approaches of just mm. I'm gonna swing my big my big army hammer and uh, my big army yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hammer that was not a thing I meant to do but you know what I'm going
2: with it um, <laughs> hey hey Daenerys I'm I'm six foot one three hundred pounds and there's two of me so go ahead <laughs> anyway um, I'm going to swing my big army and and
0: crush any rebellion and make everyone free uh, and, and yeah. she's not. And, and we'll see this, I think, as we continue along. The fact that, like, her approach to killing all the masters and her approach to just being like, all the slaves are free, um, yeah. is not actually a thing. And th- this is going to be a recurring theme as she's in marine um, that I know will continue to play out through the subplot. Is that, like, she is not doing this in a way that's actually going to be effective. She's doing it in a way that's going to feel good. <laughs> she's she's like, right. everyone's free right now. And they're they're able to be like, yes, we're free. And... Uh, we're not considering the political situations I'm coming into or anything like that. that uh, so I feel like there's a lot of that there.
1: That actually made me think of when uh, George R. R. Martin was talking about Lord of the Rings, and he he specifically talks about it. he's like, "Yeah, Aragorn's king now. What's his tax policy?" <laughs> 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 it's trying to throw in a bit more realism um, mm-hmm. in the fact that you just liberated an entire city, you killed off all the masters. You've got a city of slaves, and you've just given them all their freedom. Uh, how do you manage that? Yeah. <laughs> how do you How do you get that organized? Yeah. Your economy's basically collapsed. <laughs>
0: Everyone who supports the masters is is going to be in rebellion against you. Like it's a whole it's a whole thing. Yeah. You've yeah. gotten yourself into a real bind here.
2: Uh, now, this episode, uh, episode four, does also contain um, our new favorite character, Sir Pounce, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which you can tell a little boy named him. <laughs> <laughs> Sir Pounce. Um, that scene with Marjorie talking to Tom and is really good, but also kind of creepy. Yeah, because she's like, which I understand. Marjorie's thing is like, oh, I have to go hit on that little boy, <laughs> but I can't Oof. actually but i have to i have to like tell him in a way that like maybe if you're king i'll flirt it, with you one day especially the fact that like she's
0: you know courted renly and joffrey They're both like much older yeah. and it's like <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is uncomfortable it's like, uh-huh. um but it is uh-huh. also like hey uh, she's probably a better influence on him than cersei so you know i mean
2: yeah well, it, and that's it's what the same everyone thing is, is, is with. saying in these episodes is like, oh, Tommen, like, he's a little boy, but he's got the temperament. Like, mm. not just, oh, he's more obedient, but also he's not a violent yeah. monster. Well, and it's um, it's, so it's the same thing like, she did you know, with
0: Joffrey, where Joffrey, yeah. you know, she was manipulating him, and she was trying to get him to do what right. she wanted him to do, but also those were, like, things that would improve him as a leader and, right. and yeah. give him, make him a better kind of purveyor of power. And so, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, she, she was
2: trying to, like, dissuade his his demons. Yes. And with Tom, and she's more trying to, like, capitalize on his, his good qualities. Yeah. Um, talking of Marjorie, I really love when Brienne goes up, and Olena is just loving on Brienne all over. I thought that was so sweet. <laughs> I think Elena and she, is like, and my like, word, at her first. Aren't you magnificent? Look at you. She's so <laughs> excited about Brienne, and she's like, you're great. Do you want, let's hang out. Yeah. It was so sweet because every other person in this show who meets Brienne makes some snide remark about her. Mm-hmm. But then for Olenna to be like, you're the coolest thing I've ever seen was, yeah. was really sweet. There's also a great joke in episode one where like it's in the background of some shot and they mention Jamie And Jamie just waves with the gold hand. <laughs> just like, <laughs> hey. <laughs> I can't remember what promise. It's, it's, it's after Kybern
0: puts his hand on. And Kyber's yes, yes. walking out, and and Cersei's telling him, I think, to to leave. And Kyber uh, looks at Jamie and Jamie just waves his hand for a second, and Kyber <laughs> walks away. It's
2: so funny. Uh, um,
0: we haven't talked about episode get... one. a yep, ton. But... Um, talking about uh, DB Weiss's uh film debut, uh, <laughs> and uh, it it starts with that pretty cool opening of the of ice getting melted down Ned Stark's sword. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I thought that was kind of a weird. I mean, for one, that that opening's pretty cool. The Tywin melting yeah. that down. We don't. I think that's only the second cold open since the uh, opening, the very first episode with the uh, Pro- guys getting probably, attacked yeah. by the White Walkers. Yeah, uh, there will be at least one more that I can remember. Mm. Um, so they every now and then they'll pull it out, and it's a, it's a good effect, I think. Usually when they do it, um, but I thought it was kind of weird that they take a while to specifically say this is Ned Stark's sword that we are melting down, considering we haven't seen right. that sword since season one. Yep. And they keep saying, oh, this is a sword that, you know, somebody, he no longer has use for it, the guy who owned this sword. And in, like, mm-hmm. episode four, they do finally, or Jamie finally tells Brienne, this was, your your sword I'm giving you was melted down from Ned Stark's sword.
1: Yeah, I was yeah. a little bit confused, because I had no idea. I, I, I thought it could be Ned's sword, but I also yeah. thought, is it Rob's?
2: Yeah. Yeah, because there's that's, the wolf sheath on it, so
1: that was my first thought watching it. I was like, people are going to think
0: this is Rob's because Rob just died. Yeah. And now they're melting down the sword." And I think the idea there, that's not like the subtext there, I guess is more that now that there's no chance that Rob will ever like come back for the sword. Like the family sword is no longer, no longer has someone to take it. We can melt it down. Um, it's no longer, I don't know, like a bargaining chip or, or just, you know, one, one less thing, uh, or because Rob's dead, it's it's now no longer a thing that he can hold against us. I don't know. It, I I yeah. feel like that was the reasoning for the choice. Um, and uh, I think it's it's neat. It's cool that they're doing this, and that uh, we get the two swords out of that. That kind of go their separate ways in terms of uh, what what the meaning is. And obviously, Jamie tells Brienne that it's like, hey, you should save Ned Stark's daughter with his uh, sword, and so. It's neat. I did think that was weird. Yeah. I, I was following that, and I knew, like, knowing what the actual context was. I was still, con- still, like, I feel like people would be confused by this. I feel like they need to outright state it.
2: Yeah. Um, that the, the title of that episode, Two Swords," also refers to ice and needle, because Arya mm-hmm. gets Needle back. Oh yeah, that scene's great. Yep. Where they go to the innkeeper and like the inn- like Poliver and all of his boys are threatening and they're going to assault his do- their innkeeper's daughter and all these terrible things and then the hound and Arya just just dist- well the hound kills most of them but then Arya just goes back through everything that poliver said to Lamy before he killed Lamy, and then she kills him like it's just a reenactment reversed which i think and then uh, she had said something earlier in the episode about like when do i get my own horse and then after that scene she gets her own horse i, I mm-hmm. think i think we're
1: neglecting just how wonderful the hound's dialogue is before yes. the fight yeah, I'm gonna have to eat every chicken in this room. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I I really love yeah. also Pauliever's reaction when she's repeating what he said to Lamy, and just the mm-hmm. way he recognizes at the very last second who she is is, yeah. is great.
2: Yeah, he uh, that's very satisfying, and all the a lot of good Arya and Hound stuff. In yes, this. like when yes there's when the Hound when Hound's like making fun of her about cerio and then. She tries to stab him with needle and, of course, it doesn't work. Mm. But, but when I, I like the bit where he hears her reciting the list and he's, you know, being condescending about it. And then she says, the Hound, and he just kind of <laughs> looks at her. He's like, what? <laughs> uh... What? <did> <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, man.
0: And I really like the fact, too, that it's not really something that's focused on because obviously Arya still feels like she's being, I mean, she is being kidnapped by the Hound. But the Hound never tries yeah. to sell her to the phrase, or the Lannisters, right. or some, you know, random raiders, or, like, he doesn't, he, he doesn't try to sell, the, sell her to the Boltons, I mean, I don't know, that, that would have yeah. logistically worked out, but at sure. no point is he trying to get rid of her on somebody who is going to be very difficult, um, yeah, it, it's, or difficult, make things difficult for her, he's, he's trying to get her back to her family, because he just wants the ransom, and he doesn't want her to, like, get killed, like, obviously we saw before, he yeah. tried to protect Sansa during the Blackwater battle and so yeah it, i think that paints a really neat picture of the hound and there's a lot of fun back and forth and uh frenemy banter between the two of them yeah. in these episodes <laughs> uh, spilling out of the last season she does um, try to
1: stab him she, she does try to stab him yeah frenemies well i i appreciate how <laughs> kind of thinking about aria and, and kind of what what she's done so far and kind of you know, what we talked about before how she's just like constantly interacting with death um, and it's all about surviving it or, you know, making it one more day or, or you know, what have you. Um, and I, I really appreciate how she's just coming up against different types of like master killers. Mm-hmm. So like Syrio mm-hmm. Pharrell. And then we have um, uh, Jokin Hagar, Jokin Hagar. And then yes. like, I, I love how we get to the Hound and it's just like, giant brute guy she can't just like dance around him <laughs> you need big armor yeah. you need a big sword i i really <laughs> really really like that where he's like syrio pharrell died because he didn't have armor and a giant yeah. sword i love that
2: um in episode five tywin is talking about previous kings and everything and he's Oh, he's talking to Cersei, and he said he's talking about Robert and how he didn't. He said, "I hated your husband. <laughs> he used to pat me on the back a lot." <laughs> <laughs> I that down in my notes, too. <laughs> I it's that was so very funny. <laughs> it's so good because then you do just picture Mark Addy like slapping him in Charles Dance just mm. <laughs> just hating it. Does that? <laughs> <laughs> he invited me to something called a sleepover said we were gonna do stiff as a board, light as a feather and <laughs> and watch poltergeist um, I said I never dare a real man only tells the truth <laughs> uh, I really like how
0: Tywin is the first person in King's Landing to actually take Daenerys seriously. Um, he's, yep. he's finally gotten all these threats. I think this is before, no, this is right after, um, Joffrey dies. Um, he's finally gotten all these threats kind of handled. Uh, Joffrey is dead and he's like, well, yep. I guess that's a problem solved. Um, and, uh, <laughs> then he, I forget who he's talking to when he talks about this, but he, he has a conversation Tywin's, with somebody. I
1: was just standing there going, what? I see this as an absolute win. <laughs> I, Joffrey's off. I get Tommen to be, you know, he can do, he'll do whatever I want. And I might get Tyrion killed too. I see this as an absolute win. Everything's coming
0: up Tywin. Um. Season
1: four is Tywin season, baby. I I forget
0: who he's talking to, though, when he's talking about this, but he does bring up, he's like, yeah, Daenerys... She's got dragons. She's going to come here. Yeah. We should be prepared. Um and and that's the first time anybody on the show has actually been like, oh, this is a serious threat as opposed to uh yeah. King Robert being like, I'm going to murder a small child and like thinking of her in a as a political threat in terms of having an army and having dragons and the magic and the symbol and everything and what that means versus just like yeah. she's a Targaryen and I want to murder her or she yeah. doesn't matter she's across the sea. and doesn't, you know, who who cares. Um so it's it's neat the the man I think continues to show that he's he's very wise but also still has a huge blind spot for his children. Um mm-hmm. which is a, a fascinating kind of continued through line and, and the way the how he treats uh that conversation with Cersei, where Cersei's like, I know that Tyrion killed uh Joffrey and Tywin says, Well, I can't discuss the trial with you. Um <laughs> even though it's already pretty clear that tywin is probably you know stacking the odds against Tyrion. Uh, talking yeah. about uh putting mace tyrell on the trial because he knows that mace tyrell will do whatever tywin tells him to say and so it's yeah interesting the man is a, is
2: nuanced as it were yeah he's f- fantastic uh we also get the reveal of the the white walkers we see I, the night king yeah, I have in my
0: lore, or I have my lore, I have in my notes, I wrote White Walker lore, uh, and I put lore in all caps with spaces between them, <laughs> and uh, that's that's my note on that, because none yeah, of that... Yeah, I just put White Walker reveal. I was going to say, none of that is book stuff. I don't think we know any oh, okay. of that at this point in the books. or yeah, and probably. I, and the Night King, so far, is a show-only character as well, which is oh, interesting. Oh, wow. Um, they they haven't specifically well there is a like historical character called the night king that may or may not have something to do with the character in the show um but they it seems like they kind of took that name to put it on onto a character that maybe could make the white walkers more uh easy to i guess characterize and follow um but yeah up to this point we know very little about the white walkers in the books so that was a cool thing
2: that's true. I hadn't thought about that. But you're right. Like The the White Walkers have done very little in the books. But, but here's that little thing of like, oh, they take babies and turn them into White Walkers. Yeah. And they ride really cool skeleton horses. Yeah. And Lysa's crazy. And that was all really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Pod, is Pod is a squire. Pod is a squire. Pod is a squire. Pod is great. Robin sucks. Not an innuendo. Um, <laughs> and Pod's great. I love Pod. Pod. Pod has a really uh, heartbreaking
0: goodbye with Tyrion in mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Uh, that is just, it's, it, you know, tear-inducing. And there's also, when he's it's, walking yeah. away uh, with Brienne from Jamie, when Brian and Pod leave, there's a really beautiful track that I wanted to shout out from uh, our mm-hmm. boy Ramin that uh, yeah. I think
2: is quite good. Yeah. No, it's so good, because, like, Tyrion is so, like, no, Pod, you're in danger, and he's like, but if I'm, if if you're in danger, I'm going to help you. And it's this really great scene where like, they're both just like expressing their love for each other in this. Un- non-specific way. And Sharon's like, if you leave, like, I can't, you, I, I like you too much to let you die yeah. for me. You know, it's, it's just a great, great scene. Oh, pod. <laughs>
0: um, somebody we haven't really talked about because they're, they're really only in one episode from my memory. Is uh, and Stan- <laughs> Stannis and and Davos, um, yeah. Uh, I really like that Stannis is, is going full Drax uh, from Gardens of Galaxy sure. too. Uh, at the beginning, where Drax dives into the uh, the monster and then is trying to cut his <laughs> cut his way out, and he can't until after uh, they kill the monster and like cut a, a big hole in him. And he's like, I killed the monster. I I really like that. Stannis is like, I've used these leeches to murder the kings uh, who everyone else also wanted dead.
2: It was not them. It was me. I did. That's true. Um, That is, yeah. And you also get a really sweet scene with uh, Davos and Shireen talking about writing the letter Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. That's all really good. Where Shireen's just like, you're saying it wrong. You're gonna say "knigget" if you say, and you read <laughs> "night," and he's like, "Well, still, <laughs> it's all just really sweet. Uh, I also Davos mentions that he got
0: threatened by the first sort of first sort of Bravos at one point in that, and uh, I, I like to think it was Syria. That just—it's just my Dang. little headcanon.
2: Because <laughs> I don't know if first sort of Bravos is there's one person or if that's like yeah, I don't know. Like a troop, like you can be a first sort of Bravos, or you can be the first sort of Bravos. Yeah. But I, I am much happier thinking that Sirio <laughs> and Davos know each other. Yes,
0: agreed. Um, I want to talk about Littlefinger real quick. Uh, I, yeah, I yeah. get. <laughs> I really like. Makes me so mad. Him and uh, Sansa doing a Holmes and Watson sort of thing. Uh, after Joffrey is killed and, and Littlefinger whisks her away and, and he's, she's going through like, well, um, it wasn't Tyrion because I know it wasn't Tyrion and uh, mm-hmm. it couldn't have been, you know, some other person, or it couldn't have been Cersei or I don't know. she They, they like yeah. have a little bit of, okay, we're going down the list and ruling out who was who. And she's like, I know Dantos helped you, but Don, it wouldn't have been Dantos to do the deed because you didn't trust Dantos because he was a drunk. Yeah. That's kind of neat. Um, yeah, that is good. I did think that something that was weird in that was, uh, Littlefinger says, do you remember the necklace that I gave you, or that Dantos gave you from his, his grandmother? Uh, and Sansa's like, oh, the poison. And I thought that was weird because in the last episode, uh, Littlefinger takes the necklace off and crushes one of the jewels. Yeah. And I thought that was supposed to be like, oh, that's an indication that this is poison, and then he throws it mm-hmm. on to Dantos after Dantos is killed and sails off. Um, and I, to me, that was a weird way of dispensing information because it felt like that yeah. was supposed to be the reveal to Sansa that, oh, that the necklace had poison on it and that's what happened. Um, or I, I don't know. I thought there was something strange about the way they connected those two scenes because it, it felt like they hadn't talked through how that information was going to proceed. I didn't really understand why he crushed yeah. it in the first one if he was going to outright say. Oh, there was poison in the necklace. Yeah. You well, need to realize this now.
1: Well, even further than that, isn't there that scene where um, Olena basically admits to Marjorie that she was in on yeah. the plot to kill him, and then she grabs Marjorie's necklace, yeah, to make it. So I don't know if both of them were carrying around necklaces with poison just so you have two people in there and they can kind of. I I think right. the deal with Marjorie's
0: necklace was to make was an audience like cue of. Oh, necklace, Alina. They were just talking about this. Yeah. Okay. I think that that's more supposed to be a. Okay. Look at how innocent this necklace is. Imagine if it had poison on it. I don't know. I, I that's that I understood to what they were trying to say, but okay. I didn't understand why they didn't why they in, like referenced the, the necklace at all in the last episode. Um, yeah.
2: When it, I don't know. So I I may have just missed it. How did the how did the poison get into Joffrey? The,
1: Somebody implication... somebody
2: sneaks it into his uh,
1: into the wine um, goblet, I guess.
0: Yeah, as far as I'm aware, the implication okay. is Olenna, because Olenna walks up to Sansa at the beginning of that scene, uh, that whole wedding scene, and is like uh-huh. toying with her necklace oh, and kind of like straightening her hair. Uh, and uh-huh. I think in the books it may not be a necklace, but like a hair net thing or something a little bit different. I think you're right, but. Um, yeah, so she, I think the implication is that she, like, grabbed it. And there's a point where she gives a really pointed look at the goblet right after a Tyrion drops it the first time or gets it kicked away or something like that. Um, mm. So, like, she knows when to, it seems like she knows when to put it in or something like that. So
2: she gets an opportunity. Okay, okay. Gotcha. All right. Because watching it this time, I was like, I don't, I don't, was it the pie? <laughs> and was I, it the pigeons? I think we get
0: confirmation it was specifically her later. Like, in terms of the yeah. one who did the actual dropping of the poison, so
2: right right okie-dokie cool she's great i love mm-hmm. her
0: i only have uh oh, yeah. random thoughts left uh i really yeah, like john's forward. reunion with ghost in episode five where he's just yeah. like where did you what, where how what <laughs> i <laughs> forgot you were <laughs> in the show, show. He's, he's just very confused <laughs> <laughs> he's like, like okay i'll give you a pet sounds good um you mentioned uh, Dario. I, I really like that the introduction to Dario where he's uh, in a gamble with Grey Worm as to who can hold their sword up longer. Yeah. And Grey Worm's face mm-hmm. is so just, like, adorable. <laughs> he's <Yeah. laughs> concentrating very, very hard on this sword.
2: <laughs> Grey Worm's awesome. I like that dude a lot. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I don't know if I have really anything else. Somebody... Big points left.
2: Same. Yeah, I'm not seeing anything else in my my notes. I like the duel
1: in front of uh, whichever city it is where Dario just takes out mm-hmm. the dude's
2: horse oh, yeah. and just
1: kills him. <laughs> and then pees on the ground
2: because yeah, that's that what that good. guy did earlier. <laughs> did this whole build up and he was like, eh, I, get, I got it. <laughs> no. Yeah, that was great. In the books, it's a character called Strong Belwas,
0: yeah. who is not
2: in the show. Um. If I ever met George, I'm talking
1: George R. R. Martin, not George Lucas, although I, I would have plenty yeah. of questions for, for that George. <laughs> I, I would ask him about the origins of that particular
2: name. <laughs> Strong Belwas? Yes. <laughs> I want to know the thought
0: process on that. I think one. I'd have a. I think I'd have a list. I think I'd have.
2: No, I. I just. I
0: just. That's all I want. I just want the one question. I, I would need to come prepare. No, not not a list of
1: questions. A list of questions about names. Oh, okay. About, like, Tyler, where? I'm a humble man. I can accept
2: one question. So, Kevin, are we uh, Ned to
1: that one? You say. <laughs>
2: Oh dear! um speaking the names uh here's a movie name <laughs> Oh. no um I quick recommendation. I watched a movie that is pretty much the opposite in every way from this show. Mm-hmm. I watched the Peanuts movie on <laughs> Disney plus right. um and I really liked it. It's just like this really nice cozy uh little animated journey um. Is is it the seminal Charlie Brown piece of media? No. Is it on the same level as or even close to Charlie Brown Christmas? Of course not. But is it a really lovely and fun and uh, loving tribute to a legendary property? Yes. It's really—I uh, was really pleased that they didn't try to, like— modernize it there's no like pop culture references there's one celebrity cameo that you can't know is a celebrity cameo until the credits which i think is kind of cool and um actually charlie brown is voiced by will from stranger things which Hmm. i which this is pre stranger things so gotcha um because i guess that actor just plays a lot of people who have great luck and um but i just it looks beautiful i mean the animation is great Hmm. everyone all the kids are great uh I'm a Calvin and Hobbes man through and through, but I do love my, my peanuts and it's just a really like cozy, nice journey. There are two contemporary music cues that are I don't think you needed, and some of the snoopy World War One Flying A stuff goes a little too long for me. But you know, if if you've been watching a lot of just dour speeches and gardens on Game of Thrones and you need a nice <laughs> little pick me up, go over to Disney Plus and watch the Peanuts movie. It's a nice Is little con. That-
0: is that the uh companion magazine, Two Better Homes and Gardens?
2: Tower of Speeches and
1: Gardens. <laughs> uh,
2: it is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um
1: I'm going to recommend uh I haven't completed it, uh the Harley Quinn show. Okay. Animated series. Oh, yeah. Um, I hear that's really good. It is everything that Birds of Prey should have been. So sure. there's that. Um, it's, it's R-rated. It, it yeah. knows how to be fun Ooh. with the jokes. Um, it has a lot of really just fun interpretations of different characters. Bane and King Shark are my favorites in particular. Um, Bane is basically just like... He's, he's just like a big coward and... Nobody respects him, but he's got the Tom Hardy voice,
2: and it's amazing. What? Uh, I didn't know it was R-rated. What? How are you watching it? Uh, HBO Max. Gotcha. Okay. I uh, yeah, I've, I, I've heard
1: that's really good.
0: Yeah, I started uh, maybe thirty seconds of that, and uh, I was eating at the time. And at least the opening—I don't know if the rest of the show maintains this level of intensity, but the opening is very like ah. There's a lot of uh, blood and vomit here, isn't there? I think I'm
2: I think I'm going to have to revisit this at a later date. Yeah. <laughs> and, I thought you were so going to say, not... and I just kept... I thought you were going to say, and I couldn't watch it while eating because I kept laughing so hard I couldn't keep my food down. Well, <laughs> I, I think the biggest strength that the show has, and it really doesn't even
1: do it to a degree that I would want, but it focuses much more on kind of the Stockholm Syndrome-esque relationship that Harley mm. has with the Joker mm. and how she's constantly going back to him and Poison Ivy is kind of the angel on her shoulder, being like, "No, you're over him. Leave. <laughs> Don't go back." Yeah. Um, cool.
2: But yeah, it's it's re- who, plays Har- who plays Harley in that? Uh, it's uh, Kaylee Cuoco,
0: it's Big Bang Theory lady. Yeah.
2: Oh. Okay. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool.
1: Yeah.
2: Man, that's neat. Yeah. No. No. It's
1: it's got a, a wonderful uh, voice cast. Um, I think John Carlo yeah. Esposito plays Lex Luthor in it. So there's that. And Alan
2: Tudyk is Joker. Oh, uh, that's very so. good. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sold. Um, yeah, sold. it's, it's
1: a lot of fun. And it's, if you're gonna do like super goofy over the top, like mainly for laughs DC stuff, this is what I want. Like this is, I don't want to keep harping on birds of prey, but this is so much better than that. In my opinion. I know y'all liked it, but sure. Sure. Well, yeah. it also, I think
0: has characters that would, Hey, maybe be fun on suicide squad. If, uh, you hadn't chosen to go with, Entirely like human dumb characters.
2: Yeah.
1: King
0: Shark. Yeah. (laughs) We got a winner. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Have they confirmed any new characters for James Gunn
2: Suicide Squad?
0: Yeah. I I know they have. Like, so King Shark is King Shark isn't okay. All right.
2: And is it Taika? Who's playing
1: him? I'm not sure. (laughs) I Um, wish. Taika would be great. I know Idris Elba's like. I think he, he's kind of like the main person, but he's not replacing uh-huh. Will Smith as Deadshot. It's a different character. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the only sure. returning people are Amanda Waller, Harley Quinn, and Captain Boomerang. I think. Hmm. That, that sounds slip right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Turns out I'm Boba Fett, and I lived.
0: <sighs> I don't have a recommendation this week. I, I continue to watch very eclectic movies. Um, I watched... Uh, uh, previous Brit- previous Britain recommendation, Fiddler on the Roof, um which was fun. Yeah. Uh I watched Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh wow. I watched that. Solid I choice. think something else that I cannot remember. Um Oh I watched uh, Starship Starship Troopers, which uh was Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um but I don't – like, those are all movies that people are like, these are good movies, and they're fairly well-known. So I I don't – I'm not going to, like, sit here and spout the praises of one of them because I know that
1: the – I don't need to signal boost (laughs) any
0: of those. It's okay,
1: Tyler. I can be a contrarian because I also watched Unforgiven, and I was bored out of my mind. Maybe I just don't like Clint Eastwood (laughs) westerns. Sure.
2: (laughs) I – well, you know what? It has been a long. time You know time
0: what? I'm
1: going to recommend Unforgiven. I haven't seen it, but I'm going to do it just for... <laughs> now. Now let's let's. All right, all right, let, me, let me amend this. It's not a bad movie by any means, but I I I found it very long and meandering. It felt it's one of those movies that feels more sure. like a novel than a movie. Um, yeah. Gene Hackman is is really good in it. Um, Morgan Freeman got an Oscar. I, for I felt it. like surprisingly didn't get very much to do at all. Um, Clint Eastwood is just being his normal Clint Eastwood stuff, so that's not a problem. But, uh, yeah, I was, like, like when people are comparing it, like, Logan's totally a ripoff of Unforgiven, and I'm like, no, it's not. Just because you have an aged hero who's facing the violence (laughs) of their past, that's it. Like, that's the only (laughs) similarity, so. You're telling me John Wick ripped off. I know, right?
0: Which came first? I don't know. Um... (laughs)
2: Yeah. Well, Unforgiven was also one of the early, maybe the first, like, talking, like, talky Westerns Mm -hmm. that wasn't all just shootouts on a big field. And so I think Westerns since then that try to be more character-driven and more dialogue-driven are all accused of ripping off uh, Mm. Unforgiven. Yeah. Even though, like, since Unforgiven was the first one... Now I think people have figured out how to do that in a more interesting way. Yeah, right. But I also haven't seen Unforgiven in a long time. So if, I, if
1: I were to recommend like a semi modern uh, western, it would be the Coen Brothers True Grit remake. Yeah. Like I, th- I think that kind of addresses everything that Unforgiven is trying to to deal with a lot better.
2: But that's just me. So. Yeah, I w- yeah I think that's a fair a fair call. Was a great movie. Alright,
0: well, you can find we us online it. at blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at hctsequels You can email us at herecomethesequels at um, You can look for us on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud And, uh, yeah We'll be talking about uh, the back half of Season 4 It's going to be uh, very difficult to condense in under two hours Because, uh, oh boy, stuff happens um and I'm very excited for it. It's been a while since I've watched through all of these episodes. So
2: should be fun. Cool. Yeah. I've been Britton. <laughs> I've been Alex.
0: <laughs> I've been Tyler. And uh you're having a, you're having a good night. Dead air is fun. You're having a, a good niggit.